ready to get after it? Yeah. Good, because the first service was a train wreck on time. Hopefully you're not hungry. Go ahead, have a seat. Grab your Bibles, and let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, which is a foundational passage of what we're going to get started with our new series, um, What in the World? Thank you, brother. So um, let me start with this, okay, just to um, set the stage. On June 24, uh, 2021, so just a few months ago, at 1.30 in the morning, we witnessed uh, on the news that next day the collapse of the Chaplin Towers South in Surfside, Florida, collapsing on and killing 98 people, unsuspecting people who were sound asleep, tucked up in their beds, and that event ended up destroying the lives of countless others. And um, this 40-year-old 13-story beach house condominium, after doing a study, a careful study of why it collapsed, they believe it collapsed as a result of poor management, poor planning, poor construction, poor maintenance, and catch this, the ignoring of multiple signs of water seepage and foundation erosion. So this chaos occurred because people weren't doing their job at multiple levels over a long period of time, therefore resulting in the total collapse of a building and the death of 98 people. Does that sound at all familiar to you? See, as, as, I, as I hear about this story and as I see that carnage, I think about our nation. I think about our world and where we're headed. So are you concerned about what you're seeing before your very eyes? I would like to say to you that we're experiencing an accelerated increase of not just local events, but global events and issues that have never been seen before. In fact, if you spend any time with some old timers these days, you'll hear them say things like, never in my life would I ever dream I would see this, or I have never seen anything like this before. We were just in a deacon elder meeting the other night. And we were talking about this, right, Carl? And we were like, has, has have any of us, and there's a lot of age in our group, <laughs> have any of us seen anything like this before? No, we have not. We are living in unprecedented times, and that's for sure. Are you as concerned as I am with the erosion and the structural damage that we see every day in the foundation of our culture. Um, it's real, and we're gonna talk about it. Did you know that we're experiencing and approaching a sudden and violent upheaval on a global scale? Did you know that? 
And they're like, well, how do you know that, Phil? Are you just saying that? Are you a conspiracy theorist? No, I am not. I am saying that, and we're going to see because God says it's going to happen. And we're gonna work on that over the next several weeks as we look at what the scripture has to say because things that long ago the scriptures predicted are unfolding, and I would put to you today before our very eyes right now, the things that had been prophesied would happen are actually happening and we're seeing them rolled out in front of us, in front of our very eyes. Things that Christians of the past only thought were going to happen and taught about happening but never realized it, we're realizing it today. It is here. Things like riots and social upheaval predicted in the scriptures. Things like increased racial tension. How about skyrocketing crime and murder? Who would have ever dreamed, guys, who would have ever dreamed that we would see the increase in murder like what we're seeing in cities across the whole United States? Does it shock you? Are you disturbed by that? You know the Bible says that that's going to happen? Who would have ever dreamed that in our lifetime we would actually experience in real time people going into jewelry stores and smashing the tops of the jewelry counters and stealing anything they want and running off and getting away with it? Who would ever think that we would live in a society like that? Anybody? Who would have ever dreamed that you could walk into a a Macy's or a a Von Maher, or whatever those other stores are, and you would walk out with bags of stuff on videotape and get away with it. And oh, have some politicians that say, or city council members that say, you know what, let's just do this. If it's not, if it's not under, if it's, if it's not over, a th- well, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. If it's not over $1,000, let's not prosecute. If we're not over $1,000, just whatever. You guys just deal with it. Who would have ever dreamed that we would live in a society like that. That is not a civilized society. And yet here we are, living it out in real time, seeing it happen before our very eyes. Things like crooked, self-serving politicians that are at the helm of our lives. How about the deafening lies? Does anybody know who to believe anymore? You know, some of you are probably saying, I'm not sure I can believe you anymore, Phil, because I can't believe anybody. (laughs) Well, let me tell you something. I've worked really hard at not telling you anything unless it's from here. I'm 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 not into telling you my opinion about things. I'm trying to dig in the word of God and tell you what God's word has to say. That's what we're gonna be working on. This is, this erosion that is happening is going to result in total collapse and the dismantling of all we hold dear and all he hold true and all we hold right, and you don't want to hear me say that. In fact, you wish I wouldn't say that. You want me to say something else. I know you. I don't come to church to hear gloom and doom. I want to hear words of hope. Well, I've got some news for you. The Bible tells us that all of this stuff that we're seeing is going to happen. I can't change that. I wish I could say, we are going to be 
one nation under God for the rest of forever. But the reality is the Bible doesn't tell us that we even exist in the end times. Oh, you did not just say that, Phil. I did just say that. It's true. You cannot find the United States of America, the democracy that we live in, and our government system that we live in, you do not find that in the end times writing. And the prophecy that is written about what will happen in the end times. Now, we exist somewhere. I don't have a clue where. I don't know how. But our system, the way that we know it, and the, the system we love and hold dear, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all, is gone, my friends. And it breaks my heart to say that. Curtis, can I call you? Can I, I, I'm asking if I can call you out as I call you out. We're a mess. And what we know the scripture tells us is that this thing that we hold dear, the American experiment, the great American experiment that we have prospered under, and that we have actually, that we're still prospering under. We're still enjoying the freedom that we have to do what I'm doing right now. Without worried about the, the cops are all lined up out there with the guns to, to, to take us away at the end of the service here today. It wouldn't be the cops anyway, it'd be the, never mind. It'd be the wicked governance over us. We gotta realize that all of this crisis and all of this controversy, it's not isolated and it's not disconnected. And I'm gonna make a statement right now and some people are gonna be like, you did not just say that. Yes, I am going to say that. I want you to hear me loud and clear that COVID-19, this thing that we're in the middle of that we're sick of hearing about and that we're sick of talking about but we're still nervous about because everyone's telling us we're all gonna die. This COVID, I'm sorry that I just said that. Can I just say, <clears throat> oh man. People, People are dying from being sick, and I hate that. I do. I don't want people to die of anything. You get me, right? So I'm not making light of it, because it's a real thing but it's being made into something that it's not. But it's part of a plan. COVID-19 is not a coincidental global crisis. It's not some random wild virus with an unlimited deviant family of variants. It's not. It's much bigger than that. And when you throw in a disintegrating economy and you throw in unprecedented spiritual famine that we're experiencing worldwide, and you throw in the extermination of religious liberty that we're gonna talk about later on in the morning, and you throw in the stifling of truth at every level and the disguise of the lie as truth at every level, and you throw in the obvious emergence of globalism on a global scale and an unstable Middle East, and you throw in all the Middle Eastern people that have their sights set on the destruction of Jerusalem, 
and the Jewish people, then what you have, my friends, is a recipe for a whole world in chaos and a path toward a one world government that is not the United States of America. The Bible tells us that we are headed towards a one world government under one dictator, the Antichrist. That's where we're headed. And all the things that we're seeing that are happening in our world today are setting the stage and giving us the path towards all that God has said it's going to happen. We are seeing the fulfillment of the prophecy foretold in 2 Timothy chapter 3 by Paul himself. Paul actually, as a New Testament writer, is writing down about the things that we're experiencing today, and he wrote them 2,000 years ago. Let's go there. Go with me. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Mark this, he says. And he's talking to Timothy. Timothy, mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. He's prophesying about today. I just want to put that before you. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Isn't that something? They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. My friends, we're living the prophecy written by Paul by his own hand here in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to be in Matthew 24 many times over this series, because Jesus is describing in Matthew 24 the end times and what they will look like and the signs of the times. And this is what he said, in those days, lawlessness will increase and the love of many will grow cold. Does this discourage you? Can I just say, resist that feeling. Don't be discouraged. And I'm gonna give you three sentences that I'm gonna repeat over and over again because I want you to memorize these. I want it to be drilled into your mind and into your heart as we approach the end of all time with these words. God knew all of this would happen and none of this is taking him by surprise. God wrote it all down and told us it would happen. And God has a plan that he placed in play before the foundations of the earth for you and for me in the fulfillment of all that he has planned. I want you to hear that over and over and over again. God knew it would happen. He told us it would happen. And he has a plan for you and me in the fulfillment of all that he is going to do. That's what we're going to be working on. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. The awesome thing about God is that before the foundation of the earth, he chose you, he picked you, and he made plans for you to help him in times just like today that we're living in. You're his handiwork. And he created you a new life in Jesus Christ and he's gifted every one of us with gifts of the spirit in order to be used in a time just as this that we're living in today. That should excite you. 
God has a plan and he has revealed through the scriptures bits and pieces of it. Not all of it. You gotta be okay with that. God gave us, in fact, God's given us the parts he knows we can handle. You do know that if you knew everything about God, your head would blow up. You can't handle God. I can't handle God. He's way too big for us. He's way beyond our ability to comprehend, and so he's given us bits and pieces of what he's going to do and what he is up to, bits and pieces that we can handle of himself to explain to us what his will is on the earth. It's called revelation. And he gave us through the scriptures his revelation of who he is and what he's doing and what our part in this is. But the revelation of the, by the way, we enjoy the supernatural living word of God, the revealed word of God to us, given to us by the work of the Holy Spirit. And we call it the closed canon of scripture, the complete scripture, because God says in Revelation, don't add anything to this and don't, add, don't take anything away from this. I have given you everything you need to know for life and godliness. I'm empowered you by the work of my Holy Spirit, and I've told you everything that's going to happen. Praise God for that. Amen. This is truth. There is no truth outside of the word of God, no matter what anybody tries to tell you. And we celebrate that. It's called the revelation of God, the scriptures revealed to man. But the things that God is going to accomplish in this revealed word that we read is called biblical prophecy. Can I talk to you a little bit about that so you understand? Because everything that we are going to discuss about what's happening now and in the near and far future is given to us in biblical prophecy that God has told us is going to happen. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about that. In fact, Bible prophecy is this. You can write this down somewhere. Here's the definition. God's plan revealed ahead of time. Biblical prophecy is like a sneak preview of what is coming. Some have said it's kind of like a movie trailer. Okay? Only Prophecy tells us what is actually going to happen. It's not fictitious at all, not even symbolic. It comes with a great guarantee. Some have called biblical prophecy history written in advance. Let me explain how it worked in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there were prophets that God came to and appeared to in many ways and gave them truth about the nation of Israel and about himself and about the future Messiah. Did you know that it was prophesied by the Old Testament prophets how Jesus would be born? They prophesied about his ministry. They prophesied about his death. And the scripture tells us that God delivered this revelation to them through dreams, visions, appearances, and direct communication. In fact, Hebrews 1.1 says that in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Let me explain to you how things worked in the Old Testament and how they're different from the way they work in the New Testament. We are very fortunate to live in the New Testament times because in the New Testament, at the, at the start of the church, at the day of Pentecost, the, the Lord gave us his promised Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit now 
in the heart of a believer, when we repent of our sins and accept his salvation, the Bible says that we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit actually takes residence in us and lives in us, and we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit lives in each one of us as believers, and his job is to convict us of sin, to tell us what, to guide us in our lives, to remind us of everything that Jesus has said, and to guide us in, our, in the way that we walk. We have the privilege of, of actually having his Holy Spirit. Not so in the Old Testament and pre-church time. The scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit would come upon men and upon women to do his work and empower them to do his work for a period of time and then he would come off of them. So the Holy Spirit's ministry was not to indwell people but he would come on to the prophets in order to reveal. And you do know that without the Holy Spirit, you can't understand the things of God. They're foolishness to you. And so the Holy Spirit has to enlighten your mind. So the Holy Spirit would come upon the prophets and tell them what he wants them to say to the people, thus saith the Lord, and reveal his will and reveal his word and reveal the things that are going to come that he wants to reveal to his people. He did that through the prophets in the old days. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit moved upon men, the scripture tells us, to write the revelation, to write God's will, and to write the prophecy that we have written down in the pages. And he visited people like John the Baptist, Paul, Peter, and John to write down prophetic words about events in the near and far future. Books like the book of Revelation, where on the Isle of Patmos, the Lord visited John and said, write these things down. Did you know that 95% of the book of Revelation is prophetic? It's all going to happen in the future. And John didn't understand it, and John didn't know it, but John told, tells us in John 1.19 that the Lord Jesus Christ placed his hand on me, he said, and said, write down what you have seen, John, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. And today we have the completed canon of scripture, the revelation of God recorded in the scriptures and he has preserved his word over time so that we can trust this to be true and accurate and without fault. And this Bible that we have, this revelation that we have of the Lord contains a thousand prophecies. Did you know that? Of these thousand prophecies, there are yet 500 prophecies that remain to be seen, which means we are living in some pretty exciting times. There are some great times ahead of us and ahead of the church of Jesus Christ. There are 500 prophetic things that are going to happen, that are going to come true because God's word always comes true, that we're going to experience. You wanna hear some cool facts? about biblical prophecy. Now, I'm gonna fly through these, and some of you always get all upset about that, you know, like, you didn't have enough time to write it down. We're gonna work it out, and like, through a blog or something, we're gonna pass this stuff to you. They don't know that yet, but we're going to do that. So here's some really cool facts about biblical prophecy. There are 8,000 prophetic verses in the Bible. One out of every 30 verses in the New Testament contains some form of prophecy. 23 of the 27 New Testament books mention the second coming of Jesus. Isn't that something? So what is the New Testament all about? <laughs> it's about Jesus and his coming. For every time the first coming of Jesus is mentioned, the second coming is mentioned eight times. You think God wants us to know that he's coming back? Yeah, I think it's important to him. In fact, the first prophecy concerning Jesus is in the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis 3.15, thousands of years before his arrival on the planet. Now, this one is super cool to me. There are 333 prophecies about Jesus. 
Only 109 have been fulfilled through his first coming. There are still 224 prophecies yet to be fulfilled all around his second coming. You know what's really cool about that statistic? The number. Did any of you before today know that there are 333? Did you know how cool that is? I've not done this like super study of numbers in the Bible. Here's what I do know. I do know that numbers are important to God and they mean something to God. Words are important to God and they mean something to God. And God doesn't do anything by accident or happenstance. He does everything on purpose and he doesn't waste anything on anything. So isn't it cool that about Jesus, there are 333 prophecies. I did a little word study and number study on three, the number three. Did you know that in the Hebrew language, the word three means harmony, new life, and completeness. It is the number of God. It responds to the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. How many days did Jesus stay in the tomb before he, how many days? Three days. And then what did he do? He rose from the dead and completed the work that God sent him to do because without the resurrection, like Matt shared with us earlier, without the resurrection, there is no salvation. And so he got up from the grave and he rose from the dead and he completed what he started for the salvation of you and me in three days. How awesome is that? We could go on and on because in the scripture and in the Hebrew language, whenever they want to really emphasize something, you know what they do? They say it three times. It's just not holy is the Lord. You know what they're crying out before the throne? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. That just cranks me up. I'm so excited about that. Especially since the opposite of Jesus is Satan. And his number, the number of man is six, six, six. And that number represents the trinity of satanic incompleteness and weakness and evil. Okay, did you know that every single prophecy in the scripture will be fulfilled? And did you know that the Bible is batting a 1,000 right now? It has never once gotten it wrong. Everything that has been prophesied in those 500 prophecies that have already been fulfilled Every single one of those so far has been fulfilled down to the most minute detail. And Jesus said that that's what happened. In fact, go with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, and take a look at this. Jesus said, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. Everything is going to happen exactly the way that it is said. One author wrote this, fulfilled prophecy, and we've seen it, we can see it, we can read it, is the built-in verification system that proves that the Bible is indeed the word of God. You'd, You'd have to be a fool to think that a couple thousand years ago, somebody wrote something down and it it, it historically happened just the way that they said that it would and somehow that's kind of some weird conspiracy. No, it's called prophecy. Want a couple examples? Can I give you a couple examples? Here's one. 
there are 109 distinct prophecies about Jesus. And they contain specific details about the timing of his first coming, the condition of the world in that time, the lineage and where he would come from, the city of his birth, the nature of his life, and the specifics of his death, burial, and resurrection. And all of this specific detail was foretold by the prophets and happened just as the prophets said it would. In fact, in Daniel 9, he foretold, God gave him the prophecy to write down the exact time frame for the first coming to the very day that Jesus would come. He wrote it down. In Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22, they give us the painfully descriptive depiction of Christ's crucifixion hundreds of years before his birth or even the existence of the Roman Empire. This is what the word of God is all about. You want another example? Good, because I can't wait to give you this one. This one is so cool. Try this one on. Jeremiah 16. In fact, you want to take your Bible and turn there? Because you're, I believe you're living this prophecy, the fulfillment of this prophecy. So Jeremiah chapter 16, Jeremiah is an Old Testament prophet that God visited and spoke to his people through. And in Jeremiah 16, 14, this is what he writes. The time is coming, okay, that's prophecy, it's coming, it's in the future. When people will no longer say, as surely as the Lord lives, who rescued the people of Israel from the land of Egypt. No, instead they will say, as surely as the Lord lives, get this now, who brought the people of Israel back to their own land from the land of the north and from all the countries to which he had exiled them. For, declares the Lord, I will bring them back to this land that I gave their ancestors. That is a prophetic statement about Israel and that God is going to gather all of those who had been scattered of his people and bring them back to the land that he had promised them. That's a prophecy that is going to happen. Well, I got some good news for you. In 1948, something happened that prophecy experts call a super sign. Now, the reason they call it the super sign is because all end time prophecies hinge on that sign, that one sign. That had to happen in 1948 so that the rest of the end time prophecies could be fulfilled. It was the trigger, the super sign they call it. It's the fulfillment of Jeremiah 16 when Israel becomes a nation again and God, quote unquote, brings back his people to their own land. There are other passages that prophesy this as well. And you, my friends, this happened on May the 14th, 1948. Jeremiah is telling us that when these dispersed Jews return to their original homeland, it should be seen as a bigger miracle than the parting of the Red Sea because God prophesied hundreds of years before that it would happen, and then you're going to see it happen. And when it happens, people will start saying, that'll be the marker. Do you get it? Now, don't miss this, Okay. Here are some things in and around this prophecy about Israel. The disbursement of the Jews happened in AD 70, okay? But the disbursement of the Jewish people, their mistreatment and preservation, the desolation of their homeland, the return of the Jewish people to Israel, the rebirth of Israel as a literal nation, the ensuing attacks from border nations, the growing financial and military strength of modern-day Israel, 
the global obsession with this tiny nation and the exact geographical configuration of the Middle East today have all been foretold in great deal through various prophecies that were written thousands of years ago. We are seeing them happen in our lifetime right now. How cool is that? Uh, how cool is that? You're seeing the fulfillment of prophecy all the way back from Jeremiah's time today. We're living it out. We're watching it happen in real time. Some of us have been watching for 74 years. Some of us in the building here have been seeing this happen since 1948. And over the past 120 years, more than three and a half million Jews have changed their citizenship and have migrated back to Israel. This prophecy continues to be fulfilled before our very eyes because tens of thousands of Jews every year are going back to their homeland. I got super excited when I saw that they declared Jerusalem the capital city. This is all prophesied. Want to see something really cool? Are you sure? Can you handle it? Your head might blow up, Larry. Come on, bro. Go to Matthew 24 again. And let me show you this. Matthew 24, verse 31. Now, Jesus is speaking of himself, and he's actually speaking of this prophecy of the return of the people of Israel. I'm going to read it. It's in your Bible as he speaks to himself in the second person. I'm going to read it to you in the, as if in the first person because that's what he was talking about. He says, I will send out my angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather my chosen ones from all over the world. Learn a lesson from the fig tree. Now, the fig tree is representative of Israel. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. Got it? Y'all understand that, right? In the same way, when you see all these things, the things that he has been describing in Matthew 24, you can know that my return is very near right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation, what generation? The generation that sees these things will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Are you paying attention? Okay. Verse 36. Now, I just want to say this. Make sure you understand. No one knows the hour or the day that Jesus is coming back. You do not know that. That is hidden. We do not know that. That's what 36 says. But Jesus is making it clear that if you're in the generation that sees these things happen, that are described in Matthew 24, that we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks, your generation will live to see the return of the Savior. I don't think you're paying attention. I would think somebody would shout, unless you just don't believe me. And you have to like, you have to be like, whoa, wait a minute. What's a generation? No, I'm glad you asked. If you go into the Bible and look at that, some would say a generation is what Psalm 90 verse 10 says that you can expect to live, 70 years, maybe 80. So that would be a generation. Others would point to Genesis chapter 6 verse 3 and say that it's 120 years as a generation. We don't know exactly what that generation is, but we know it's a generation. Right? And he's talking about a generation of people. 
The fact that all the signs are converging and the world is getting more unstable every day, and while we're already past the 70-year mark of Israel's birth, are you listening? <laughs> if God's word is truly to be taken literally, which it is and which we do, and if every single fulfilled prophecy came to pass exactly as the Lord foretold, and it did, then we must conclude that the Lord's return is truly imminent and we could very well be living in the final generation before the return of Jesus Christ. How awesome is that? You know what that makes me want to do? You know what that is? Rapture practice, exactly. Because Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back soon. And how awesome is that? We could be living in the final generation. Man, what an awesome privilege. What a great responsibility that we have when we know that God knew this was going to happen, God told us it was going to happen, and he has already a predetermined plan for you and me to be part of the fulfillment of the whole thing. That's a little scary. That's a little intimidating. But how exciting to be living in a day like today. All of this. And everything we're going to be talking about in the weeks to come will come to pass. And we can't do anything about it. We can't stop it. Just enjoy it. Go along for the ride. God has a plan, and he's working his plan out. You know what? Here's the deal. I, I don't know how to take it all. I, I really don't know how to take it all in, and I don't know what to do with it. Because what I want is for America to be fixed. Don't you? I, I want America to be fixed. I want to go back to what it was when I was a kid. Yeah. I want the world to be fixed. I want the Lord to just, you know, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and return from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and heal their land. That's what I want for America. Yes. Except that that promise isn't for America. That's what I want. And I don't even know how to pray these days. I have a bunch of brothers out there that are pastors that are saying, this is what we need to do. This is what the church needs to do. We need to just get on our faces and pray more, and, and then we'll get our government back. No, we won't. The Bible, my, I cannot divorce myself from biblical prophecy from what I know, and I know that it's not going to happen. And so I'm reduced to praying this, reduced to praying this. Not my will, but your will be done. And to pray like Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help me understand what you want me to do in the meantime. I don't want to be guilty of praying against the prophetic word of God. I don't want God shaking his head and going, knock it off, Phil. I've already determined what's going to happen. Stop asking me to change it. Because my selfishness, it's not just completely selfish. I mean, I want good for all men and women on the earth. In a time like this, 
We, God's people, must have hearts like Joshua and Caleb. Who faced the land of the unknown, the land of giants. Do you remember when they went out and spied out the land that God promised to give them and they came back with a report? There's a lot of giants out there. We look like grasshoppers. And the 10 spies, the 10 of the 12 said, we can't do it. It's too scary out there. Moses, we need to hunker down and we need to not trust in the Lord. They didn't say that. But that's what the reality of their actions were saying. We need to just hunker down and we can't go take the land. And Joshua and Caleb were like, and it even says in the scriptures that didn't we do what was in our hearts? They were strengthened in their hearts and their faith in their God. They saw their God move miraculously and they knew that God had promised them the land so they did according to their convictions and according to truth, they walked out into the unknown. They actually walked into the face of danger leading the people of Israel. That's what we need to be as God's people. Not like the 10 spies that doubted and were fearful. We cannot be still, we cannot be silent. We cannot live by the lies of men. We need to live by the truth of God and his word. And we need to live out our biblical convictions. I am like completely out of time. Are you okay? Can, can, I, can I take you? I have to tell you about this. Because it's happening in real time. You all familiar with Pastor James Coates of Grace Life Church in Alberta, Canada? He is the pastor that went to prison because he refused to close his church during COVID. He said the, to the government, we don't care what you, who you think you are, you cannot come in here and think you have authority in God's church. This is Christ's church. You have no authority here. You cannot tell us we are going to shut down. So he did. He led his church to stay open, and they arrested him and imprisoned him for it. He just put out this letter. I just got this two days ago. Because in Canada right now, it actually happened, went into law yesterday. Um to pass Bill C-4, which directly comes against parents and counselors who would seek to offer biblical counsel with respect to sexual immorality and gender. Parents and counselors trying to help their kids figure out how to deal with the lies that they're being told on purpose about sexuality. He goes on to write, which it passed yesterday, and it will criminalize any, and I'm, I'm quoting from it right now, any practice, treatment, or service designed to change a person's sex thought about their sexual orientation to heterosexuality. It will criminalize any effort to repress or reduce a person's gender expression that does not conform to the sex assigned to the person at birth. According to the Canadian law, as of January 8th, yesterday, 
The belief in God's design for marriage and sexuality will now be seen as a myth that's written in their law. This bill can clearly be used against any preacher or elder who either speaks against homosexuality, transgenderism, or who counsels a person to obey Christ and abandon their homosexual or transgender actions and lifestyle. This means as of January 8, 2022, it will be against the law to preach, teach, or counsel regarding God's design for marriage and sexuality. If we lived in Canada, it would be against the law to hold a love and respect marriage conference. He goes on to write, on January 16th, which is next Sunday, this moves me, because we don't live in Canada. We live in the United States of America where we are free. But they're not up there. And so on January 16th, next Sunday, faithful men across this country, and I hear many in the United States as well, will be preaching on God's design for marriage and a biblical ethic of sexuality. We will be, so, we will be doing so illegally, declaring to the state that there is one God and one Lord over his church and that Christ alone gets to both define marriage and dictate what is required from the pulpit. We are honored, he said, that our American brothers are gonna be joining in this with us also. And John MacArthur writes this, he writes, John MacArthur writes, I am eager to support our Canadian brothers and to preach on biblical sexual morality on January 16th, and I invite you, if you're a faithful pastor, to do the same. Our united stand will put the Canadian and the U.S. governments on notice that they have attacked the word of God, and we're not okay with that. So I did it. I signed the petition. And next week's sermon in our series is on socialism. And what I'm going to help you see, the socialism, which is, and the foundation, gets its foundation from Marxism, is actually prophesied in the scripture. And one of the major tenets of that is the dismissal of everything that we say is authoritarian in our life, like the word of God, God and his word. And so you have to say that God's word is a myth. We're going to talk about that. And in the middle of all that, I'm going to preach next week about what God's word has to say about sexual immorality and marriage and everything else. So hang on to yourself now. Okay, so now we say, thank God we live in America. Canada's just, Canada's there. I mean, it's close. It's coming close. I mean, we're right on the border of Canada right here, right? But thank God, that's Canada. That's not the United States. I also got this in the mail this week. You know where Lafayette, Indiana is? Okay, Lafayette's down by Indianapolis. In West Lafayette, Indiana, a city ordinance has been proposed, Ordinance 31-21, which if passed would ban any attempts by biblical counselors to speak biblical truth in love to minors wrestling with sexual orientation or issues of gender confusion. This ordinance is threatened to find counselors and counseling centers up to $1,000 a day. Now, here's the deal. Lafayette, why Lafayette, Indiana? I mean, we're, why Indiana? We're Indiana, people. We're a red conservative state. 
No, we're not. Yes, we are. No one agrees with me? We are too a red conservative state. I can prove it. I live here. (laughs) Did you know that Lafayette, Indiana is like a hub for biblical counseling? Faith Ministries has been a lighthouse, a beacon of truth in Lafayette, Indiana, and for our state. Many of us in this room right here have taken counseling training from Lafayette, Indiana. My certification for biblical counseling comes from Lafayette Ministries. They have four um, counseling centers in Lafayette. They have spent years building a relationship with the city council and to have favor with the city council so that they can bring the truth of God's word to help the people of Lafayette. This is happening in Lafayette. Think it's a coincidence that it's not happening in Bloomington? We exactly know what's going on. We are not ignorant of his schemes. They go on to say that this ordinance would hold pastors and biblical counselors, both licensed and unlicensed, in violation of this ban if they attempt to counsel a biblical sexual ethic to a minor struggling with same-sex attraction or gender confusion. So we aren't even allowed to take the truth of God's word and help apply it to a child who's being lied to at every level about his sexuality. Do you see what's happening in the world around us? This is the United States of America. You can't do that here. They're doing it. And somebody just texted me between the services and said they got a buddy who's working in a child Um, I forget the name of it, but some kind of family ministries in Buffalo, New York, the very exact same thing is being pushed in Buffalo, New York right now. It's here in our world. It's here in our land. And in Canada, it's against the law, and you can be thrown in prison for saying it. Here, it's against the law if, if it passes, and you'll be fined for saying it. We're not that far away from being in prison for speaking the truth. And you just need to, you need to know. I just met with the people in our journey ministry. It just started up, the brand new people in our church. And I said, you need to know that we will always stand on the word of God and we will unapologetically speak the truth here. We will always say it no matter what the consequence. And I just need to tell you that, I can't even breathe anymore. I just need to tell you that that's where we are. And in the weeks to come, we're gonna look at what we are seeing and experiencing in the world around us, and we're going to see what it all means on the biblical landscape, and then we're going to ask the question, what does God want us to do about it? And how do we live in the middle of that? And we're gonna learn how to live in these last days, not according to our will and what's comfortable for us as Christians. We're gonna learn how to live according to his will and for his glory. And I wanna ask you, are you with me? Can I just, I know we're way over time. Are you you still with me? It's all good. I just need to tell you something before we dive into this. I, you need to know that I'm, I'm just a simple man. I am not brilliant by any means. I'm not a brilliant scholar. And um, what I'm really good at, I'm really good at studying those who are brilliant scholars. And what I'm going to be doing as I come to bear with all of this information over the next several weeks, I'm going to be studying some really great uh, prophecy minds and bringing information to you. We're actually going to give you, roll out a series of books that I'm going to be studying from, and I'm going to be bringing information to you from about these things that we're, that we're seeing in our world and so that you can do deeper study with it, if you're all right with that. 
But here's what I want you to understand, because um, what I'm really good at and what I'm gifted at, I, I'm, I'm not a Moses, I'm a Joshua. I am a, I have the gift of faith. And so if God's word says he's gonna do something, I can run headlong into it, and I have no problem saying to all of you, come on, let's go. Are you with me? Let's go. And so I'm really good at that, and that's what I'm gonna be doing. So if, I, if it's all right with you, I'm gonna bring you all kinds of information, and at the end of every sermon, I'm gonna say, here's what we can do. Let's go. And this week's no exception. Because what I wanna say to you is, even if the whole world collapses, the church of Jesus Christ will not collapse, and we must stand for truth and righteousness in the midst of that collapse. And people are gonna be dying all around us, and we have the hope of life. And so I'm gonna be calling you out as a church to say, take the word of life to the people, because they're dying and they don't even know it. If things get worse with the COVID-19 type of pandemic and things just keep collapsing, 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 more people are going to die and go to an eternal life separated from God in hell and judgment forever. And we have the word of life to bring life to them and to bring the gospel to them before they die. If we go into a time of war, people are going to die. We have the the truth, we have the gift of the gospel to take to everybody before they die so that they don't die in a Christless eternity. We can all say something, do something, pray something, preach something, and live by the clear convictions given to us by God in his word. And we must set our minds fully on the hope that we have in Christ and be ready to pay any price and challenge any foe and confront every lie for the sake of the gospel. Let's stand together as I close. I want to invite you to join me in making 2022 a marker year. And what I mean by that is that we will all, no matter what happens in the future, we will all look back to 2022 where we rededicated our lives in a brand new way to living according to biblical conviction and the biblical truth of God's word and being obedient to it and holding high the righteous standard and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that is in desperate need of salvation. And I wanna proclaim that we should do that without hesitation, without fear. Jesus knows the way forward. God knows this is all happening he told us it was going to happen, and he has a predetermined plan for each one of us to help him in the fulfillment of all that he has purposed. He will show us the way. All we have to do is follow him, but we've got to follow him in faith. And I want to say this, as sober as I can be and as loving as I can be, if you're sitting in this room today or you're at home online with us or wherever you are and you're hearing my voice right now, and you don't know the Lord, and you know that, all of what we're gonna be talking about is really bad news for you. We are living in a time when grace is free. We're living in a time where people can freely come to the Lord. The offer is, come unto me, and I will give you rest. Call on my name, and I will give you salvation. 
Today is the day of salvation. If you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, do not harden your heart because Jesus could come back tomorrow and it will be too late for you. The call to you, I'm gonna be talking to all the believers for the next several weeks about what we need to be doing with all of this, but the call to you every single week is going to be come to Jesus because you don't have much time. I wanna just make it available to you to come to the front and talk to us. If you're home online, we have people waiting to reach out to you and help you find Jesus. So as everyone leaves, you could just come to the front and let us help you find Jesus today. All right? Are you okay? Would you do me a favor? Go straight to get your kids and then thank those people and hug on them for taking care of our children and they're gonna be mad and saying that Philly did it again. We need to, so just, I'm just taking more time. Let's just go. Father, help us and strengthen us for all that is to come. Strengthen our faith and strengthen our feeble knees and help us to do everything that you've planned, said you would do, and planned for us to help you with. We're your people. I pray this in Jesus' powerful name, amen. God bless you as you go. Encourage someone on your way out today, okay? Thank you for joining our worship service online today. Our prayer is that the worship and the teaching has left an impression on your heart and that God will use it to inspire you to love God, love people, and penetrate our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today, or if you need prayer, you can let us know by clicking the link to our online connection card. And then if you haven't yet taken advantage of it, you can download our church app where we have all of our announcements and opportunities, and you can also use it to share this week's message with a friend. And then you can also check out our website, fbclcart.org, to stay connected with us that way as well. God bless, have a great week, and we'll see you here again next week.